there's a photo I'm remembering specifically where you can see the faintest of a smile, like the, the faintest little tiny smile. Yeah. And, and I remember that. And I remember just like holding her and like rocking her to sleep. Two guys talking about their babies and supporting their ladies. Talking about the struggle, talking about Big Papa. Hello again, everybody. You're listening to Big Papa's, the podcast for modern dads. I'm Dan Warrysmith. And I'm Pierre Hamilton. Welcome to episode four. Episode four. You guys want more? You're talking about newborn babies today, aren't you, Pierre? I am. And you know what? It's, it's, it's reminding me of The Fog of War, which is a documentary. But uh-huh. to me, I just was thinking about this newborn thing, and there was just this haze. You know what I mean? Like the hazy days when everything is amazing and terrifying and often all at the same time. Uh-huh. That little alien that you saw in the sonogram and the ultrasound, it is now out. And it, it's looking at you and saying, feed me, clean my diapers, make me happy. This I is need a, to needy, be a needy little alien, it turns out. It, yeah. I mean, and you got to like, it's, it's that one moment where you start to feel like, oh, yeah, this is real. Mm-hmm. Like the birth is a thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, but you're, there's, you know, there's typically someone around. There's a midwife maybe around to help you out. There's doctors and nurses. And then they just package it up and they go, see you. Uh, yeah, good luck. Just raise this, uh, raise this little thing. This is your um, job now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the past, I think, in, in, at least in my perspective, I used to think, or not used to think, the, the way it was was that women often did all of the child rearing. I don't know if my dad ever changed a diaper way back when. He does now for my daughter, which uh-huh. is nice. Uh-huh. Um, but things have changed. You know, now you have dads taking time off to support their partners. Um, the world is a little bit different. And we so we wanted to go back and look back at our own fog, but also just to talk a little bit uh, about, you know, sort of how, how a modern dad adapts to that early stage of newborn. Are you out there listening right now? You got a one-week-old maybe at oh, home? Man. You haven't slept much at all? Are they, would they be listening to the podcast at that time? Well, if they are, <laughs> hopefully we have something that can that can provide them with a little bit of help, a little bit of good advice, yeah. a little bit of just, hey, we went through it too, and and here's recounting some of our experience. Uh, and we have a special guest uh, coming up yeah, uh, we do. as well later on today. Yeah, we're going to have Andrew Addison, a VP of Communications and Marketing at the Canadian Media Producers Association. Uh, he's going to talk to a a little bit about some of the the stuff that he went through uh, when he had a newborn, and uh, maybe we'll just hear. He had like a special technique that uh, that I'm hoping we can sort of tease out of him when uh, when he was having some uh, some difficulty again. And there's a lot of difficulty in this taste than the newborn stage you're adapting to uh, to this new life. That's, yeah. uh, that's now part of your life. Yeah. Well. Before we get to Andrew, maybe we should just roll into a little bit of recollections of our own. Of That's true. The experience who, that we had from from the fog of newborn. Who wants to do it? Do you want to do it first? I, I'll roll with it. Yeah. I think, you know, we've touched on this aspect before. Uh, might have been uh, in the episode we did with Lisa. We talked about the big lesson is just the idea of being ready for whatever comes next. And you might get used to a little something and then it changes really quickly. I remember a lot of that from uh, when Goldie, my daughter, was you know in her first few weeks of life. Something goes a certain way for a couple of days. Also, days have a way of feeling like a week or more. <laughs> you know, time has that elasticity to it. But it changes really quick, you know, and maybe you're, the feeding is going a certain way early and then something changes or, you know, the sleeping pattern or how you're finding ways to put the baby at ease or to help them go to sleep or to do that transfer when they go to sleep in your arms f- to put them down in the crib. And that changes in, in, in just a couple of days. So just that idea of being ready for anything to change, for every day to be different. And uh, you and I were discussing b- before we rolled tape here today, the fact that you do a lot of preparation during the pregnancy. You read books, you go to classes, you talk to people, you read blogs, you know, you're getting all this info. Once the baby is home and you're there and, and you, it's your responsibility uh, to do everything that this baby requires of you, at least for, for Zoe and I, we realized 
so little of that information that we had taken in was actually about the the <laughs> taking care of the infant and was way more about what was going to happen in childbirth. It's all getting ready for the birth. <laughs> What's the birth going to be like? And you get home and you have this feeling of like, oh, wow, now this is like so immediate. We need to take care of this baby's needs. And uh, somehow we didn't get as much information as we thought we were getting. At least we went through that. I don't know about you, yeah, Claire. It's, it's like I'm thinking of it and I almost in my mind I'm imagining, you know, Maybe you wanted the whole Encyclopedia Britannica, but you only really got like the first three, uh, the first three sort of uh, issues or, or sort of um, uh, the first three pieces. And so you're you're looking and you go, okay, I got this beginning part of the story. I'm yeah, I'm actually fairly comfortable with that. Uh -huh. But then there's all this other stuff. There's a very long part that is missing, and you're just going, okay, I guess I'm gonna figure it out. We're going to figure it out right. together. And it's an amazing thing. It's very, very, like, it's traumatizing. I actually think that we would run into um, um, people, parents on the street, and they would see our little daughter, Zadie, when, when she was really young, and they would go, oh, my God, I just, I really miss them when they're that stage. Oh, and yeah. I'm, and like, I'm sitting there going, are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like this is insane. I don't know. Is today? What is it? Is it today? Tomorrow? Is it yesterday? I, I don't know. Like as you said, the days just sort of blend into one, and I just couldn't believe that people like actually forgot about that part. And I actually think that that's like a real thing. Like yeah. that people just forget, and it's it's biological. I think we've like had this conversation before. Yeah. It's, you're just to to keep doing it to have another kid. You've got to remember. Don't remember the parts where you're like, oh, that was that was bad. Or at least difficult. It's funny you mentioned people on the street. This just popped up to me um, when Goldie was really little. You know, the first few walks we ever took out with her. Um, when people pass a baby that small on the street, it's like they're passing Jennifer Aniston or yeah. something. They cannot not say something about it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We had we had people stop us in the middle of intersections. You know, like we're crossing oh, one way and they're crossing yeah. the other. We're both on football. But, like... How how much does she weigh? What's her name? What are, we've never met you before. We're yeah. in the middle of an intersection, and at first, my instinct was to be, I don't know, weirded out or protective, I guess, or whatever it is. But I concluded that in most cases, people just want to be close to this, like the most pure representation of life, and that's what babies. The smaller they are, the more they represent that. I think, and. And I think people just want a little, a little piece of that glow. You see a tiny baby. If you have any, you know, experience in your life, you, you have kids and they're older, or you love your nieces and nephews, or whatever it might be. If you've had any connection with a baby, which so many people obviously have, you pass them on the street. You're like, that's Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I have to let her know how much I loved Friends. Everybody I wants. I can't not tell her how much I loved it. Everybody wants a whiff. Of yeah, the innocence. That's, right. that's what it is. That's right. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, um, uh, when we had our when we had our daughter and he finally got to meet her, he just he just came up and was just really like, "Oh yeah, that's that new baby smell." You know what I mean? And it's it's weird. You're right. I mean, some people. I think in the, the early stages too. We we were very much like people would like you know want to come down and like touch even, and you're sort of like it's okay to be weirded out. You're also like this is my. Like, I have to protect this. Mm -hmm. I don't know you. I get that you're excited and it's interesting and you want that, like, oh, my God, they're so pure. This is amazing. This is the miracle of life. But you're also, I think, in a stage where you're sort of just going, like, I don't know you. Like, I'm not sure if you should be touching my baby at all. Yeah, the touching... I didn't hesitate to tell a couple people, don't do that. Back off. Yeah, for yeah. real. Um, saying something and stopping to engage or whatever is one thing. And as I said, I went from the first few times feeling standoffish about it to appreciating the fact that, you know, we're here with <laughs> with with this beautiful baby and, and we get to experience it all the time. And like you said, like, what are you, crazy? You forget yeah. how, how difficult and challenging it can be? Well, all they need is that five seconds yeah, on the street. Oh, hey, you know. Just that whip How much enough. did she weigh? That'll make <laughs> <laughs> me feel good to know how much she weighed. Well, b before, sorry, before we, we yeah. take a break and get to Andrew, I just wanted to get back and add, as I mentioned, the idea of all of a sudden realizing, hey, we're in this situation and maybe we don't have all the information we need. To me, that was balanced also by a feeling that I don't think I, I can compare it to any other feeling I've ever had in my life. And it was kind of the first day that I was holding Goldie 
other than just for a minute and it was a little more frenzied when I kind of had her to myself and we were just kind of sitting there and I was staring at her. Um, I had this feeling of instinctual calm and control and this idea of, you know, a belonging or a calling to be in this moment and to give all of my focus and care to this effort to, to nurture and protect this baby. And so I, I actually, you know, I, I didn't find it overwhelming um, as my overriding emotion, even though there were things that could overwhelm, it was kind of buoyed by this feeling of, you know what, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I am the person who is here, who's equipped to to be with this baby and show it the way the world is and raise it. And um, so I really felt you know, comforted by that. And even though it, we weren't on a lot of sleep and there were things that were scary and we were constantly sure she was going to stop breathing or, you know, all those things that you worry about the first couple of weeks, I also really felt this sense of almost a shift into this new part of my life. And even though the pregnancy I'd been preparing and thinking about it, there, there is that real kind of snap to reality moment, at least there was for me, on that first real connection that I had with the baby. And and that really helped me out. I don't, I don't know if you experienced something similar. Yeah, I mean, I think it, for me it started, I think it started in the hospital room. And I remember, you know, Jess, is, Jess my wife, had um, had a C-section. And so, you know, she was pretty doped up. And so I remember she was just like, hey, you basically have duty. I mean, obviously there's nurses that come in. But I, you know, sat in a very uncomfortable chair in the hospital and just had my head, like, looking right at Zadie and just watching her, and that went on for hours. And I think that was the beginning of our of our bond, right? And 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 by the time we got home, I mean the thing for us that was different, or but I mean again a a bit a lot of the same was that we got home, and you know again off the top we had um, a bit of issues with feeding, and so you know we went to the hospital, uh, we went to the, there's a breastfeeding clinic, and we went and we asked them for some assistance, and and then you know again because of those difficulties we ended up spending a lot of that first week in and out of the hospital, and it was frustrating, and it was difficult, and it was you know, it took the glow off of, oh, you know, it's just you have a kid and then you come home and it's all magical. I mean, I know it's supposed to be, it's wild in the first little while, but we also had that, you're in the hospital and it was just like, is she okay? Like, we need to get her weight up. Okay, what do we need to do that? Like, and while again, I think you're right, it was, it was tough, but it also, I think for me, reinforced that, like, I'm going to be here for this kid and I'm going to be here for my wife because it, it, you know, again, it wasn't easy. And there were times at which I felt like I wanted to do more, but I couldn't. And it was all I could do was sit there, hold a hand, say, we'll get through this. We'll do this together. She'll be okay. And and we, we sort of pushed through it. And then I know that it was like Sunday and they were like, okay, she's great. And we were like, okay, the, the first week is done. I remember we came out we went, we drove, we immediately went to the LCBO. We were just like, let's go to, let's use one of these gift, gift cards that people gave us. And That's the liquor store if that's, you're listening yeah, outside of Ontario. Yeah, I guess, no, no. Uh, it's, you know, not everybody knows it. Yeah, I went to the booze store. We picked up some <laughs> alcohol and we were just like, you know, we were pushing around Zadie and we were just like, yeah, we're, I think we're out of that crappy part and into a new stage. And I think, again, it was, it happened fast. It was furious. Um, it was hazy. But again, work the two of us working together made it special and I think again that was key to knowing you know again even if it's going to get tough like we can do this together and I think that's that's really the piece about a newborn and having a newborn that you know is is what you need to discover for yourself um in order to be I guess the best dad that, that, that you can be right it feels like a good time to say Praise to the moms. Oh yeah, all praise to the moms. Respect. Can't we? We can't go an episode without that. Why would we? No, we would never. It wouldn't do be that. right to finish the first segment <laughs> without saying it. That's true. Which is, you know what? That's a great opportunity for us to maybe to take a little bit of a little bit of a break. Yeah, we'll bring Andrew we'll in. We'll bring here Andrew in here, back. and uh, we'll start to talk a little bit with, uh, you know, a little bit about modern fatherhood. See what Andrew has to say about it, and uh, maybe get into some more stories. Love it. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah. Okay, we're back. Welcome to Big Papas once again. 
We are in studio with Andrew Addison, VP, Canadian Media Producers Association. Andrew, say what's up to the listeners. What's up, everybody? Can you tell us a little bit about what you do, my friend? Sure. So I'm uh, communications and marketing at uh, CMPA, Media Producers Association. So we rep uh, English language, television, and movie producers. So favorite if you got a favorite Canadian TV show, chances are one of our members has produced it. Uh, those films getting all the buzz on the festival circuit. Again, probably one of our members. So we uh, we rep them in a number of ways. I'm uh, marketing and communications. Cool. And, uh, I mean, by way of you being on the show, obviously you are a big papa. I am a medium-sized papa. Oh, medium-sized papa. I'm a medium-sized papa. papa. I don't think we've ever had that on the yeah, show. We I, typically you know, only have the big papas. Uncharted I'm, territory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a medium-sized papa, you know? Mod- you, modesty. Modesty goes a long way. What do you got going on in the kid department? So, uh, Alexander Michael Addison. Uh, hopes are he'll be uh, an author with that name, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alex, three and a half years old, and uh, our, only, our only kid with uh, my wife, Jen, and I, and... Uh, we are uh, taking it day by day, <laughs> having fun, having fun most it, days. Although it, today, I'll just here's a here's an anecdote off the top before nice. I even uh, know where you guys are trying to take this. We got a good guest but here. But today at daycare on pickup, I'm sweaty. I'm driving my bike with a bike trailer all the way up up Young Street in 33 degrees heat today for <laughs> for people who don't know what day we tape this. <laughs> and I get there, and uh, the the daycare lady uh, says, you know, he's. He's kind of like exhibiting some like, like bad following behavior, and I thought bad following. What's that? And she's like, like he won't be bad first, but then once a kid is bad, <laughs> he kind of like eggs it on and then like takes it to the next level. And then the teacher was like, so Alex, she, she was telling me, she said, so Alex, you're not going to be bad, are you? And he was like, yeah, we're going to be real bad. You know what's funny is that we've started to see this at home a bit. And then I was like, I don't know if this is worse or better. I was like, oh, is he just doing this to mom and dad? That really bugs me. Or like now I'm like, oh, shit, maybe this is just who he is. So maybe that's worse. I don't know. It's don't a, know. a glimpse into our future. Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, one would, one might say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right? <laughs> and that's, that's the other thing I thought was like, you know, the, I kind of, you know, I admire the spirit, the independence of the lad. But uh, Jesus, he's only three and a half. Yeah, yeah. There's some bad things. You don't yeah. want him to get too bad too right. early, right. right? Save that at least totally. for the later years. Totally. Anyway, Andrew... Why don't we start off right off the top, and and maybe you can tell us what uh, what mo- modern fatherhood means to you. Modern fatherhood, modern fatherhood. Uh, that's a I don't know. That's a funny term. I think uh, fatherhood to me, uh, you know, I, I I guess I look at my own father and my own upbringing, and I I would say it's probably pretty similar, or at least. Uh, on this day after Father's Day, I would say I'm trying to probably emulate my father uh, in in what he did. So I don't know how modern it is for me. I think we grew up in a house. My mom worked more hours than my dad. You know, he was cooking dinner. He was doing laundry. Uh, I should note, he, he, I'm the product of a successful third marriage. So by round three, he uh, he had figured out how to get it right, potentially. But um, so, so I think, you know, it's similar around our house. There's equal sharing all the way around. Uh, Jen's got a busy job. I've got a busy job. And uh, we both pitch in where we can. But uh, it's, it's hectic. It's busy. Uh, and we only have one kid. So, I mean, uh, I can only imagine if you have more than one. And, and that's, uh, that's a current debate uh, we, we have up in the air. So, uh, yeah, busy. <laughs> so you're, you're actually thinking. It looks like you're, you're talking about making that next move. We are talking about thinking. Talking or about thinking. thinking about talking, yeah. Planning definitely. to plan. Planning to plan. We are definitely planning nice. to plan, yes. So well, maybe, you know, maybe let's take it a step further. So you said that you, you, you sort of follow, you're following in, in your dad's footsteps. Why don't you think it's, or maybe tell us why you're, you don't think it's any different other than, you know, he did it then, you did it now. You feel like sharing the duties is, is, is pretty fair. You saw him do that and, and now you're doing it. It Nothing else has changed? I would say, I mean, it seemed to work, and maybe uh, it's too early in the progression to know. And what I mean by that is, you know, on the radio listening, uh, on CBC on the way over here listening, uh, they were talking about video game addiction was just recognized by the uh, World Health Organization, WHO. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, screen time and all that. And, you know, we don't really have huge issues with that. Well, a little bit of Paw Patrol here or there, or maybe some weird uh, YouTube videos of trucks crashing into each other. But, like, that's, like, 15 minutes a day, sort of max, if that, and we'll go days without screen time, and it's not really a thing yet. And so 
I think the what makes modern parenthood differently potentially is the the perils of technology and the opportunities of technology. Um, but I don't think we're there yet. We, you know, one thing actually speaking of technology, maybe where it plays in a bit is the the spy cam because I guess we probably all grew up with the spy microphone in our bedroom, but that's not as invasive as a spy cam, and we've sort of just automatically let ours turn off. But there's definitely friends who, you know, will go over to their house and they're they're four year old or they're five year old and they still have the, the camera in there. And I'm thinking, man, like you gotta get that camera out of there soon, buddy, because you you don't want to see what's going on in there, probably. <laughs> Did you notice a point at which Alex was aware this is the screen where my parents watch me while I sleep? He, he we we kinda I don't know if we really overtly tried to do that, but um he, he's just recently kind of come into understanding it, but we don't use it much anymore. Uh, we, we rearranged the bedroom a little while ago, and in doing that, uh, the camera's not in a great place anymore, and we didn't really try to, to set it up and fix it anymore. It got unplugged, and right. it's sort of half and half. I, uh, my daughter's just over a year old, and I'll notice her when she comes into our room after we get her up in the morning looking at the screen. Right of, you know, depicting her empty crib now right, right. and just kind of trying to put it together. Or maybe I'm just more aware of it. But, uh, yeah, the spy cam is an interesting thing. My, uh, my, my mom was babysitting not long ago, and she said, where else do you have cameras in the house? Because I don't like to be watched. <laughs> Only the bathroom. <laughs> I, you know, first wow. of all, mom, why? What, why? Why do you need to know that? Yeah, that's a strange um, But I know, I know some, uh, one of my good buddies uh, who's about to become a dad, he has expressed to me how he thinks it's weird that we have a spy cam, and he, feel, he doesn't want to do that when his kid arrives. Which which certainly makes sense, and you know, there's there's um, we are controlled by technology a lot. The idea that well, this exists, so we're going to so get use it. it. Yeah, you know, everyone else has got it, or or just that's the standard, and and so that's what you're supposed to do. Um, we didn't really think twice about it. A screen is available. It's yeah. a video. You get to watch right. what your kid's doing. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that we all we all maybe succumb to, you know, just because that's the norm. Well, you know what? <clears throat> Thinking about you know technology, it's very much, um, I, I know that one of Zadie's, a word that she's very comfortable saying is iPad. Huh. And when she's, you know, and, and I, I, don't, I don't fault my parents for this. When she's there and, I, you know, my mom likes to do her hair and sometimes she doesn't want, she won't sit still long enough if there was not a TV or right, something sure. playing. So, yeah, my mom will prop up a show and Zadie will watch it. The, the issue then becomes they'll start to be like, iPad. I want the right, iPad. For sure. And, and then you have to man. Yeah, and you you have to you have basically have to come to terms with saying no and just being like, hey, I know you're gonna freak out. That's cool. We'll talk it, we'll talk it out. I know you're upset. We'll distract, but move on. Because if you don't, then you I think you'll end up in that situation where you just perpetually capitulate. For sure. And that's partly why, because why we don't have much screen time, because it's it's so hard to get him off the screen when he's on there that it becomes just a, a battle of wills that, and it's not even the battle of wills. I mean, we can win that we're bigger, but it's the, it'll just linger for like two hours of just like, he'll be really in a bad mood and short tempered. So it's, it seems unhealthy yeah. mentally. This feels like a really rich topic, and I don't, I don't mean to, uh, to get us off the rails with it, but Pierre, you and I have discussed doing an episode that centers on technology fair, and fair, screen yeah. time yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff, which I think probably sometime in season two we'll get into. Because we're here talking about newborns today, right. uh, if we can very smoothly transition into yeah, that. Well, look, why don't, Andrew, why don't you tell us a little bit about those early days? How do they, how do they go for you? What yeah, was the so early days were... Um, I mean, strange days as they are, I think, for for everyone. The the initial early days, I remember week one, week two, uh, were pretty good. Like, you know, you're home. I, I'm, by you, I mean me. I was home as the dad, and so it was Jen and I and Alex who was, uh, you know, sleeping half the time or more than half the time, and you're catching up on your Netflix, and people were dropping off food, and you were like, this is... It's pretty sweet, man. We started watching <laughs> the food drop. Yeah, yeah, remember that? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Thank you to everyone <laughs> yeah. who brought us what food. A phenomenal concept, yeah. Uh, and fuck you to whoever brought us flowers because those <laughs> things just died. Those things died quickly. Uh, no, no one brought us flowers. No one brought us flowers. I got, I got cookies. The cookies are good. Yeah, like, dads love and cookies. They were amazing. But it's just like, yeah, people do that. It's a very nice thing. 
So, so the first few weeks were pretty easy, or two weeks, I guess, whatever I was off. And then uh, I went back to work, and I remember the morning of uh, Jen being like, Jen being like, don't, don't go. <laughs> like, don't go. <laughs> like, uh, and I was like, yeah, you'll be fine. And I think it was rough, man. I mean, I don't think I know. Like, the first day I was like, oh, maybe this will be a little rough. And, and it was rough. And Alex was, he was colicky, and it hit pretty early. And that just meant, uh, like, basically screaming from late morning until late evening. Like, kind of basically noon to midnight or 11 to 11 of just, like, oh. inconsolable screaming. Uh, and it it, uh, it left an impression. That, that's probably why we're still planning to plan right now. <laughs> because it, w- it was rough. Um, and for me, it was rough, but I got to go to work every day. It was more rough, like on Jen and then our relationship was strained because of it. And then I'd come home and she was freaking out and I shouldn't say freaking out. It's probably not even the right word. I mean, justifiably, you know, mm-hmm. stressed man. And, uh, and I mean, at night she wasn't sleeping because of, um, he wasn't sleeping really. And so there was this, I mean, sleep deprivation is, is torture. I mean, it, it's a, it's a means of torture. And, uh, and we saw it and Jen was sort of losing her mind. And I remember at lunch at work, uh, I don't know, Alex was maybe a month or a month and a half and out with a couple colleagues and just saying, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I, I don't think I don't think this is going to work. Like, <laughs> what do you do? You don't give a child back. Like, I've never heard of this, but what do you do? Uh, so it was rough. It was really, really rough in the early days. Um, how did you how did you how did you work your way through it? We coped. Uh, loud noise. Uh actually calmed him down or just drowned him out no i'm just kidding it, it, it calmed him down so i would blast uh blast music and get him in the uh whatever the not uh what's the front load and backpack thing called again i'm so far out of uh, oh, fatherhood the, uh, like the jumper the jolly jumper no like no. where he's uh, we call it a carrier or the carrier uh, yeah the front load and carrier. Bjorn? the bjorn that's it that's <laughs> it the bjorn of course uh so i would rock around in the bjorn with like uh vampire weekend he seemed into uh <laughs> vampire weekend and like vacuuming with vampire weekend blasting and that would work um or drives and we didn't have a car back then we do now but we would uh beg borrow and we didn't steal but beg and borrow for anyone's car just to go on very long slow drives and i had a i had a route that would go uh down our street we live in east toronto to uh lakeshore and then just follow lakeshore all the way along crawling to mississauga <laughs> until you could like you know an hour each way if you if you really you know drove the speed limit and just getting passed by people but it wasn't the destination it was just the drive yeah and wow. that that would he would sleep he would sleep if we were moving uh so that was good um and then i'll you know my wife would know jen would know the the day and probably even the hour and the second that the that it passed I, that it I, ended yeah i would say somewhere in the the four to six months range and i kind of forget but then it passed and then it was all good actually we uh, pierre and i have a mutual friend and it was uh it was right around the time he was getting married in spain well they were getting married with mutual friends jen and adam uh and we had planned to go on this trip long before and the colic stopped before our trip to Spain because I remember we were thinking, oh, can we really, can we leave our parents uh, kind of looking after uh, this screamer? And, and by the time we went, it, it was all good. So definitely by six months it had cleared up, but a rough introduction for sure, for sure. Yeah, I can't, uh, I remember hearing some of those stories and I, I think it's, I don't know, I, I guess everyone, every, everyone's going to have their own sort of unique experience. I remember like Zadie had a witching hour you know, they call a witch. Right. Know. Oh, yeah. She, uh, we would come home, and it's obviously it's by no means am I trying to fully compare these two things. They're very different. But I would come home from work, same sort of situation as you, and and Jess would be stressed. It's been a full day, and I would take Zadie, and she would just Im- seemingly immediately be pissed right. and upset, and upset for like two hours, and I was like, oh my god, like does this kid not like me? You know, and it's a very, it's a, it's a weird thing when you're in the stage of like, okay, they need me. Right. And at the same time to feel like, I don't know why they're just crying all the time. Like, what, like, what have I done wrong? What, what did we do wrong? Are they sensing something about me? Yeah. And, and the weird, the, the mental battle you end up having, or I ended up having is like really resenting your child and then being like, well, it's, it's not his fault. Like Alex doesn't know he's doing this. And then, you know, like. Then you're 
turning inward, so then it's like a self, like, am I failing here? Or you're mm -hmm. turning out at your partner, and it's like, why isn't Jen fixing this, you know? Or and it's just, <laughs> it was just miserable. It's Alex, I love you. Future Alex. You know, you're a great <laughs> kid, man. I said to Pierre before we did this, I was like, I don't know if I should come on and say things about uh, why it was so rough, but uh, I love you, buddy. Well, you know, I mean, I think, you know, one of the reasons we want we wanted to bring, you know, dads on here and and, and talk about the times that are the that are good and the times that are bad is because there are both, right? There's there there are there's there's the oh my god, I wish this wasn't happening and there's the like I wish I could cherish this thing forever, yeah. right? And and so, you know, we want to give people a taste of what it's like on both sides and um just so people have, uh, you know, a, a good uh, a good perspective if they're going through it now or they might be going through it or they're thinking about taking the step that leads them to that. But um what what we'll do right now is why don't we take a quick break and uh then we can come back and uh, talk a little bit more with Andrew, get into a few more stories and uh that uh, yeah, that'll be good. We'll be right back. Yeah. Welcome back. It's Big Papas, the podcast for modern dads. We're here talking to Andrew Addison. Before the break, Andrew, you were mentioning something that I wanted to kind of, you know, put a spotlight on this idea of going through difficulties, going through frustrations. You know, you mentioned that your son was colicky. It sounds like he was upset for really an almost unbelievable amount of time each day. And you had mentioned that it's easy at times to feel resentment, right. even though your kid can't help what they're doing, or that maybe you feel frustrated in something that your partner is doing. Um, and I think it's really important as parents to expect these kind of hiccups to come up. Not only might you be frustrated with something the baby or your partner's doing, but then you, you internalize it and get frustrated in yourself. You say, am I doing a bad job? Am I not being patient enough? I think that kind of stuff, you know, because it's so intense and because every day there's the opportunity for, for new stuff to pop up it's so important to be ready for those kind of things to not beat yourself up too much about it but also to understand that you know these things are going to come and just like anything else these are waves and you're kind of you know you're going to do your best to to weather them um for but sure. to really try not to get too down on yourself or your partner while still opening up the door to say hey we can't be perfect you know if you've heard of some fairy tale idea of parenting it's almost impossible you're yeah. going to be able to pull that Shake kind of thing off. Awake. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was really stoked. I was, you know, when uh, when we found out Jen was pregnant, it, it wasn't really planned, and you know, I, I was excited. I always knew I wanted to be a dad, and so I don't know, you know, I, I, I know I've said in the past, no one ever told us like it, it was kind of rough slogging at the beginning. I don't know if that's 100 percent true, or or if I just never really heard it. Um, and it never really resonated with me. But after, I remember being like, why the fuck did no one tell us, right? <laughs> and then, uh, especially, like, month two, like, it was really rough. And I remember I was on the subway with Alex. Uh, and, you know, when you have a new baby, uh, you know, people come up and are interested. And there was a woman who... Uh, you know, she looked late thirties, maybe she, she, she looked at me and was like, he was actually being pretty quiet at that point. Um, and she said, Oh, how old is he? And, and I said, Oh, he's about uh, two months. I forget in weeks. I, I stopped thinking in weeks now, but back then I used to think in weeks anyway. So I said it in weeks, I'm sure. And she said, Oh, you're still, you're still in the 90 days of darkness. And I hadn't oh, heard man. that. And I was, it actually was so reassuring to me. And I was like, yeah, fuck, I am. Like, you know, I was, and I, we, we really struck up a conversation after that where normally you just kind of like, yeah, yeah, baby, here you go. Um, but I was like, yeah, no one told me, no one told me. And she's like, it ends, it ends, you know, but yeah, no one fucking tells you. And it really sucks. It sucks for everyone. And no one tells you. And that was so nice to be like, oh yeah, it sucks. And so now I actually go out of my way when people are like, I'm pregnant, just to be like, or we're having a baby, just to be like, it's going to suck at the beginning. It's not going to suck in the long run, but like, don't be disappointed up front when it's way worse than you expected because it's just, it's hard. It's so very you throw, hard. You throw that in there. I do. You I get do. right yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's the only time I'm brutally honest with people. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> find that hard to believe. It's good to be reminded of situations like that. I remember, too, you get these little lifelines, just a moment of connection with someone else who gets it. It's It could be another parent or, you know, whoever it is. And, and, uh, 
I, I found that since becoming a dad, there are these little moments of connection where if you're just a dude, yeah, right. you don't get that at all. Like, I mean, may, maybe if something happened to you, if you fail or something, someone would, you know, uh, sympathize with you. But but right. just generally, and not to complain like it's fine, dudes on their own don't necessarily yeah. need a lot of <laughs> right. a lot of your help out there necessarily. But, but that idea that as soon as you have a kid and someone who gets it, who's on the same wavelength, appreciates what you're going through. And, you know, even if things aren't bad, in my neighborhood, I'll be walking by and when you see another dad who's also with the stroller, you get the little dad, dad nod. nod. Dad, dad, <laughs> dad nod, dad nod, dad yeah, nod, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and having knowing that there's this kind of community that you're now a member of, I assume that people who are members of other types of communities that are out there are are also giving that same kind of little, just little micro support bits. Indeed. To, to Although each I'll other. find, and I don't know if you guys found this, an odd exception to that rule was anytime there was organized baby activities with parents. I actually found the parents oddly like aloof and like they weren't standoffish. Yeah, they weren't like willing to be like they were like no. It was sort of like. Out bragging about their kids' achievements and like there was no like this is terrible like yeah the, yeah yeah this uh, I forget the they have a clothing line too and like a, a chain of play centers anyways we went there for uh, for a few months and like the parents were weirdos man and I was like come on like <laughs> is no one else had like struggling they with didn't want to tell you the truth yeah and everyone was sort of everyone was sort of lying a little bit about what uh, I don't know if fully lying or like self delusional <laughs> there was one woman I remember. Uh, and I, I didn't go that often. Jen did it often during the week. I'd do the odd one on the weekend. But there was one woman, and our kids were like six months old at the time, and she was like, oh, yeah, I know my kid's speaking now. <laughs> and she's speaking French, too. And I'm like, oh, do you speak French at home? She's like, no. Wow. And I'm like, no, man, like, no. Like, yeah, she said we, oui, but, like, she wasn't saying we, <laughs> we. Oui, oui. Like, she was just making noise. So I think everyone's a little self-delusional. There you know, can be – sorry, Pierre, go ahead. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I think this uh, – no, it, it's a small little thing I think we can talk about, but it, the percentile problem, right? That right. idea that idea of, you know, suddenly you're into, you join the club, you made it. Everyone's like, congratulations, you're part of the club. Let us bring you some food for a few weeks. Food for a couple of weeks. Right. And then almost immediately after that, you're in the doctor's office and you they weigh the baby, they do the size, and then suddenly they come back and they say, hey, your kid's in the X percentile. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember thinking about that and going this is terrible like because to me it was like okay one it felt like being judged yeah let's you know? go back to your stats <laughs> class man what percentile what yeah, percentile yeah. are you in is your kid back like and you know and then and people would ask you that question afterwards right and and so you'd come back hey we just had our first doctor's appointment okay like what percentile are they in this oh I'll give my doctor props. He, he's like seventy-eight. He's old. He, he's like delivered thousands of babies, and he wouldn't. He wouldn't tell us that stuff. Didn't give the numbers, and huh? we would like kind of press him because you know that's that's how you you make sense of the world. And where where does he sit? Where's Alex sit? And he was really reluctant because he was always like, "Yeah, he'll be fine. You, you don't need to know. You know, I'll tell you if there's something to be concerned about." Uh, Alex was big. Like uh, he was nine nine pounds something when he was born. So he was a really big baby, and he was slow at a lot of stuff. And I remember. Like being at the library, uh, especially when I was on pat leave, so a little later, uh, in like 10, 11 months, and kids like really eyeing up kids that were like, oh, "Why isn't Alex walking? This kid's walking, or why can't he like, <laughs> why can't he pull himself up?" And the you know raising this at one of the doctor's appointments, he's like, "Have you ever heard of a kid not walking? Like, like yeah, you know, unless yeah, unless yeah, unless there's, there's a real issue. But like, yeah. have you ever heard of a kid that just like?" Never learn to walk? No. If if there's a developmental problem, yeah, we, we I'd tell you, man, I'd tell you. But there's no, he's not, he's not not gonna walk. He's gonna walk. So yeah. so chill out. And and that was really good to hear. Was stop stop with the comparisons because you can lose your mind. Yeah. And, and I think I, I, it's no one's fault, but it's how we all kind of make sense of oh, where do, where do I sit? Is this normal? Isn't this? So all parents kind of get in this cycle of these comparisons of well, what percentile what percentile are you so i i agree totally i think it's it's not healthy or it's not helpful at least yeah i think if you're i mean obviously again there's a reason for it but i think if you're going through it or you're about to go through it again the thing to to just sort of take a step back and is perspective right like kids grow at their own pace you know for and sure. and your your genes have some role in that right so it's like oh you well like that's how he's now like that could change Mm -hmm. Right. And so, I mean, really, it's 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 the health issue is everything going right and well, as it should be in terms of development uh, that you that you really should be concerned about, because the other part is it's just a game. And I, I've yeah. heard similar 
rants about oh yeah my kid could do that and you're just like you know what like honestly i don't care yeah like, and totally. I, I think i backed away that was my approach was i'm just gonna back away from this i don't, don't i won't engage. partake in it i got the number from the doctor and immediately sort of like as i you know took a little pill as i walked out of the doctor's <laughs> office and was like forgotten nice yeah, yeah what about yeah, dan did wise. you have uh did you have any experience with the percentile problem I mean, we get that information every time we go to the doctor. It's certainly something we're aware of. Right. Zoe is usually a little more interested to see what it is. At one point, Goldie uh, switched curves. Right. But we we got that information along with the tidbit that it didn't matter. And right, that, right. So I don't really put a ton of stock in it. I think it certainly can fuel some of that competitiveness that you're describing. Yeah. That idea of if you get more kids together, the conversation may steer to somehow comparing them, which I can't really imagine is very useful. Uh, but yeah, we get that. And certainly... You know, we like to see, hey, she's staying Doing on good. that <laughs> on that growth track. And, um, yeah, you know, th there's even things that don't make sense for you to internalize as something that you need to feel good or bad about or, or proud or, you know, whatever it is. It's it's impossible to not feel it at all, right? For sure. And, it, it, you know, every time we go to the doctor, we want to hear. She's doing she, – she, she couldn't be doing any okay. better, yeah. right? Um, but I, 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 I do think um, – when you get into a thing of, of people comparing their babies in a development, it does seem it does seem a little silly. Especially in that, that fog, man. That yeah. first beginning and I think, part. <laughs> I think it's you know, as time goes on you, you learn to like just shut it and not care. But it's those early months where you're like you don't have any other context. I, That's I imagine all you cling to, yeah. I imagine kid two, you're just it's it's probably yeah, just, way easier mentally to just be like, Well, this is fine. Uh, you know, at least with the and let me just preface that. Uh, parents of two children say easier <laughs> with the one that was just born and not stressing about that not easier overall yeah yeah it there's a commercial uh, there's a commercial i've seen where it's you know the idea is like they're like kid one and it shows the parents being like so protective at that newborn phase and they're just like duh, duh, duh. and then like kid two it's just like hand to like dad yeah. who's taking a shower like you're like it's not like special bath time it's just like clean get in up. there get clean get done Efficiency. Yeah, that's all that matters in the end. We've touched. We're touching a lot of stuff here, and I'm getting the feeling now that that we're gonna feel as though we have to cut this too short because it, it, the vibe in here feels like we could probably talk for a couple of hours, for days even. Yeah, <laughs> for real. For real though, it's it's flowing really well. But one of the things I wanted to return to, and Andrew, you touched on this a little bit, is the idea of supporting your partner, supporting right. uh, the mom, and uh, uh, as anyone who listens knows, all praise to the moms yeah, is our baseline. And that's where we. Start. Mom, Moms indeed. are the real superheroes, and uh, <laughs> we are merely here to support as well as we can. Anyways, no, I wanted to know. <laughs> I wanted to know if you have any just kind of recollections of of what it is that you tried to do to support your wife. Uh, you know, watching out for things like postpartum depression is something yeah. that I definitely was really aware of. Uh, just physically, what they've gone through and the several weeks or maybe even more than a month that it takes for their body just to get some semblance of normalcy. All that kind of stuff is going on, and, and so I just wanted to wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, definitely. I think. Um you know, Jen, Jen's, Jen went through. I, I don't know if I don't know if she would call it postpartum depression. So I certainly won't. But but I mean, she was not herself, and she would admit that much. And I, I think you know, there's hormonal imbalance, and there's a lot going on. There's sleep deprivation. Um, and how do we get through that, man? I don't know. We 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 screamed at each other, and then we cried, and then we laughed, and we just kind of like struggled through uh, a little bit in the early days. But the the one thing. Um, that Jen does uh, and is really her refuge is the gym. And I mean, she did that for years uh, before, long before Alex. And she was one of those uh, women, you know, uh, eight and three quarter months working out hard at the gym, getting dirty looks from everyone as she was like squatting, you know, four plates or something like that. I don't go to the gym. I have no idea what she does. That. Um, but, uh, it's a so, lot of plates. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, like, like, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know either. I'm, I'm I assume it's dinner plates. Like when I'm talking <laughs> plates, it's fried chicken. Um, but so one one mistake I made early on was uh, trying to you know time management's a big thing, and, and so. Once this was a little bit later on, but Jen was always wanting to go to the gym, and actually it was easier when she was um, when she was off on mat leave. But once she got went back to work, trying to find the time that she could go to the gym and we could still work in daycare pickup and all that stuff, and for for a long time that was the biggest source of conflict was like, 
well, look, man, I'm I'm doing pickup and drop off, and you're going to the gym, and I'm just like, yeah, sure, I'm not a regular gym guy, but I'd like to go, you know, mm-hmm. hang out with my my friends. That's my stress relief. Can I get can I get 90 minutes a day to do that? You know, uh, and it probably wasn't that explicit, but that was probably my my mental track that was going on, mm-hmm. and so we had a lot of, you know, I had some some passive resentment, passive aggressive resentment that would come out every now and then, and that would that would lead to a lot of fights. And finally, I mean, Jen was clear and she was good and said look man this is just something i need it, yeah. i need it for me but you need me to to do this or else it's going to be miserable around here and you know i'm a stubborn guy but it, i eventually realized it and now i mean and it's not like she doesn't sacrifice right now jen will she'll, she'll get up at 5 30 in the morning and uh, and be out of the house kind of shortly after six because she'll she'll roll the gym beforehand um but we found a rhythm there and i think that's that's her coping mechanism and that's something i've i've learned is is really important for her to support her and it's just something i want to do and i think once i got out of my own kind of you know tit for tat oh well if you get this i should get that because that that doesn't work it's it's what actually works for the family you know and i don't need to hang out with my knucklehead friends for 90 minutes every day come on that's not going to be healthy for anyone <laughs> they probably don't want to hang out with you that long <laughs> that's either. true that's true <clears throat> i don't even have any friends no one would hang out with me well, that's, uh, th- i mean i think that that's, that's a good that's a good po- a point right in that you've got to everybody's got to find their own version of whatever it might be that that makes them feel better and in those early days I think for me I don't know Dan maybe I'll ask you after this but for me I think what I did I think I was very also very much on the line of like I don't want that this postpartum depression to take over and you're I don't know like I'm not a doctor so I didn't know what it was or I I had I had an inkling of what the symptoms were you know, and and so you'd come. I'd come home, and and maybe Jess would be crying, and mm-hmm. I, you know, and mm-hmm. you're sort of just sitting there going, okay, like what what's wrong? And there, there it, again, sometimes it's not that there's anything actually wrong in that moment, right? It's just that again, for whatever reason, that's the feeling or the feeling of, I can't do this. It's too hard, or I wish I had somebody else here with me, or I'm just tired. You know, totally. Andrew, as you're saying, I'm just tired, and I think what what's difficult but what's important to do is to really take a step back and take a deep breath and 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 find what version of it works for you i mean for for us it was hey jess i need you to go outside yeah. and go for a walk get a coffee for sure whatever it is it would like not a push but just sort of like get out there and do something because it's separate. yeah and it has to be and like don't call everything's fine i'll do that and i don't know again my dad had a bit of a different relationship. He was the go to work right, and come right. home guy. I mean, I know he did his part, but I think it was different for them, and the, the the relationship was different. I think what I tried to bring to to you know our modern version of it was very much like, I need you to do everything that's possible so that we don't ever get to that stage. And, right. and luckily, we we didn't ever get to that stage. But again, it's it's something to be alert and and you gotta you gotta be looking for that if you're a dad. It, it's it's definitely a a part of the um, a, a possibility if you uh, if you do have a have a newborn. Yeah, it, it's key. And Jen, I'll give her a lot of credit. We both kind of realized fairly early on, uh, especially with the colic, that like we both could get to a breaking point and, and that breaking point that was like real breaking point not like oh this you know i'm not i'm fun but like i'm gonna lose it and so we both learned to recognize that and and have that sort of time out yeah go like you leave like it's all good take off for an hour or whatever and and she she was as good with me with that too because we both we both struggle with that as, as all parents do at various times well like I said, we're definitely going to feel like we don't have enough time here. And uh, maybe we'll bring you back for an episode in to season be two, yeah. Andrew. It'd be great. Before we go today, one of the things uh, I have something to, to wrap it with, but I'll put it to you guys first. Um, what's your best memory from having a newborn? We talked a lot about things that were stressful, things that were challenging. But just, you know, it's, it's this representation of one of the most pure times you could ever imagine. Maybe the most pure. Andrew, do you have a, a fond recollection of that time? Yeah, and I would say it's not even one. Like, you know, we've kind of, it's more interesting to harp on the, uh, on where the, the, the challenges are. Uh, <laughs> I don't think this podcast would be a success if it's like why I love my kid. Yeah. Just, I, mean, <laughs> that's, I don't know what that says about society. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I've got a number, and I mean, they're all... You know, they're all like the milestones, yeah, but just sort of the goofy, the the, the silliness, you know, uh, the first time that they kind of laugh and they get that, you know, he could, he got the first sense of humor and I could make him laugh by making a face and, and just, 
I mean, that was, we would just do it for hours and that, that was a lot of fun. And, it, you know, there's so many of those moments and, and every day really, you know, it, sure there was screaming and, and crying, but we would always have fun too. And, uh, I think it, it continues. And so uh, rather than give one uh, one example like this was the one, I, I, I mean, I think I could give as many as I've given sort of here's where the challenge is because, I mean, it, it permeates every day, and that's that's what makes it worthwhile. Nice. How about you, Pierre? Yeah, I think I think for me it's probably the same. I mean, I'm, I, I look back on photos, and, you know, there are these photos where she's looking at me, and, and I know that she doesn't really have any, like, she just sees something and is like, okay, this is what's in front of me. But there's a photo I'm remembering specifically where you can see the faintest of a smile, like the, the faintest little tiny smile. Yeah. And and I remember that. And I remember just like holding her and like rocking her to sleep and doing like nursery rhymes that were like, I was like, oh man, actually, like I don't actually know all of the words to this nursery rhyme. So I'm just going to make up a version <laughs> that sounds okay. And... Yeah, like that to me is what 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 was the best part of it. And again, it's it's not just one thing; it's really a combination of things together that that just really made it all worthwhile. And you raise—I know we're wrapping, but you raise an interesting point, which is what I purposely didn't do, uh, but I almost did was go to a photo because I'm like, the photo of a memory is probably only like seems like the memory because I've got a photo of it. Right. So you know, I've got this a similar photo with him laughing, and I'm like, oh, this is the one. But I'm like, <laughs> well, these were every day. This is just the one that was captured. Yeah. Anyways, that's uh, that's a whole other topic in and of itself. <laughs> it's funny you talk about making up words to lullabies. I feel like. Like I'm, I'm like a dad weird owl all the time now. I'm making up baby-related parodies to everything, especially in those early days. Um, and it's mine is similar to yours as well. You mentioned rocking the kid to sleep. So I have a very specific memory. Uh, in the intro, I mentioned to you that along with feeling a little overwhelmed by not necessarily having as much information as maybe we wanted to have, that I also felt a feeling of calm come over me and a feeling of belonging and knowing that this is where I'm meant to be and I'm meant to nurture this baby and, and all those feelings. And, and so this kind of goes along with that. Um, putting her to sleep, rocking her to sleep effectively very quickly became something that I was very good at and was my department. And I felt so fucking amazing I being able it. to do this. Nice. And I remember feeling like, I've never done anything more important in my life. Right. Literally nothing has been as important, and it happened every day. Every time I got to put her to sleep, it was just as important. She has to go to sleep well this time. I have a song that I sing her. It's I Will by the Beatles. I used to sing it to her uh, in utero. I sang it to her. I didn't describe this in, in our... Uh, our childbirth-themed podcast, but that moment when she was born and she wasn't breathing properly and we didn't quite know what was going on, I went over and sang this song to her. So I remember then a few weeks later and even a couple months later, uh, as I would put her to bed at night, uh, I would sing her this song. And just this feeling of knowing there's nowhere I would rather be, there's nowhere where I belong more, and... I cannot wait to knock this out of the park, to right. put her to sleep in the most peaceful, lasting, wonderful manner that I possibly can. Um, as I said, I wish we had time to talk yeah, way more right now. Conversation, but but yeah. I do think uh, we've left it on a nice positive note. We um, have. Andrew, thank you for, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much. Us. This, was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Really awesome. enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for being with us. And uh, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been episode four of Big Papa's, the podcast for modern dads. We'll be back with episode five next week, won't we, Pierre? We will indeed. Dan, let's say goodnight. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for being with us.